Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. of America, sponsored by DuPont, maker of better things for better living through chemistry, presents Alfred Drake and Everett Sloan in the first commercial. Before our play begins, here is a springtime suggestion. If you're redecorating this month, you can do it more quickly, easily, and economically by using DuPont's Speed Easy Wall Finish. Speed Easy is quicker because it dries in an hour. Easier because it goes on so fast. More economical because only one coat covers most four walls of dingy wallpaper. This spring, save time and money with Speed Easy, made by DuPont. And now for our play. The Marine Raiders of this war, the commandos and rangers, are fighting in a tradition which is as American as baked beans. American soldiers made a considerable contribution to this sort of fighting technique, improvising when they fought for this country's freedom 170 years ago. Tonight, starring Alfred Drake and Everett Sloan, DuPont brings you the story of the Americans who first successfully used commando tactics over a long period of time. The ragged group of revolutionary war irregulars known as Marion's Men. DuPont presents the first commando, an original radio play by Peter Lyon and Alan Lomax, and starring Alfred Drake as Sergeant Flint and Everett Sloan as General Marion on the Cavalcade of America. Hey, what was that? Ought to keep your head down, son. 
If I was a Jap, I'd have put a musket ball bang between your eyes from 300 yards. Who are you? And where are you? Atlas, can you see him? Hey, what's the gag? Gag? I'm telling you. I could hear you crawling along when you was 300 yards away. I could see you 50 yards away. You boys got to learn to move quiet the way we used to. There he is. Hey, get the funny clothes he's wearing. Buckskin's pretty handy in this country, son. Wouldn't sneer at it. A lot of good folks have worn buckskin. Hey, Jack, who are you? What are you doing in this swamp country? Those clothes he's wearing. They're like in those pictures in the history books. The revolution. Nah, what are you guys, crazy? Think he's a ghost? You asked me who I am. The name is Timothy Flint. I'm an American who knows as much about the kind of fighting for which you are being trained as any man. I started to say, as any man alive. You one of these commanders they got helping with our training? The English learned their lessons in this kind of fighting from me and my comrades back in 76. How come you never heard about us? And our general, you act like you never heard about him. Well, you'd ought to be ashamed. An American general? You don't mean Eisenhower. A little general named Marion. Francis Marion. You should let me tell you about him. Not now, bud. We gotta get out one of our training. My story will help you in your training. Get comfortable. Sit down. I'm going to take you back 168 years for this story. Now listen, you young fellas, in a story I will tell. Marion, and I knowed him mighty well. Twas in this South Carolina swamps he began his wild career. And his little band of rebels made the enemy shake with fear. The enemy shake with fear. The enemy shake with fear. His little band of rebels made the enemy shake with fear. He was a ruddy little fella, and his legs were sort of bowed. But the toughest, smartest fighting man that I have ever known, his voice was low and quiet in giving a command. And you'd fight till hell falls over for that quiet little man, that quiet little man, that quiet little man. And I wish you could have heard him when he first spoke to his men. General Marion, this is your command. Gentlemen, we number less than 200 men. Less than 200 to carry the name of the South Carolina Volunteer Militia. I come here to Lynch's Creek today to tell you I've been commissioned your general. Our enemy calls us bandits, rebels. Our friends call us irregulars. I call us the sole remaining force of armed patriots within the borders of our state. Governor Rutledge has sent an order on the date of May 1777. It is very simple. It reads, be cool and do mischief. Let us obey that order from this instant. Our horses are rested. We have each two rounds of ammunition. Let us start today to show what sort of mischief we can bring on the enemy that would deny us liberty.
sun goes down. The men are all ready, General Marion. How many horses have we? Just under half a hundred. By morning, we shall have a hundred. Here, watch the lines I draw with this stick. Yes, sir. Here we sit by Lynch's Creek. Here is where the creek meets the P.D. River. Here, to the west, is Port's Ferry. An hour's ride from here through the swamps. Through the swamps, sir? In the dark? Yes, in the dark. Get used to it. The chief part of our fighting will be done in the night. For the next month, sir, you will be riding by moonlight and sleeping when the sun is up. Yes, sir. To proceed, here at Britain's Neck are camped 200 of the enemy under Major Ganey. It is three hours' ride from here. The sun is down now. We shall hit them as they reach their first deep sleep. With mercy this first time. I need their horses and their powder, not their lives. You hear that, James? What now, sir? We're getting honored. This boy is George Spidel, and uh, don't let his youth lead you to underestimate his talents. He's my most valued spy in the whole country from the Santee North to the P.D. He arrives to tell me that Cornwallis has issued special orders for my capture, that Colonel Talton is on our trail, and that we... He's offered a hundred pounds for General Marion, who I vote dead. How far are we? Four hours right, sir, and riding fast. General, we'll head for the swamp? Not yet, I think, Major. George, which road is Talton? The High Bridge Road to the west, sir. Good. You go home now, son, and get some sleep. Yes, sir. Major? Yes, sir. Tarleton will never come into this country so near to dark. He'll be camping. And if I know my Tarleton, he'll make his bivouac by the Richardson plantation. You propose to attack him, sir? I propose to look at him, Major, and see. duty to dare to retreat. 
See that all patrols get that order, Sergeant Flint. Now Marion didn't want to waste his men, and so he gave an order then. Hit the snow island like a bear for its nest. Fatten up our horses and get a little resting. Whack ba diddle eye. Sing whack ba diddle eye. You look worried, Peter. I am, sir, and that's the fact. Why then? Could we hope for better winter quarters? No down quilts, it's true. No roof, no three meals a day. But think how unhappy is our enemy. And just because we exist. The brigade is shrinking, sir, shrinking fast. And our provisions, if we're to feed the prisoners... The prisoners? Peter, what day is today? It's a Monday. Why, it's today that they're sending a lieutenant from Charleston to treat with us for an exchange of prisoners. I forgot to warn our lookouts. They'll be bringing him in on a litter if we don't get word to them. And flintlocks were ready to our hands. Our buckskin clothes were ragged and our faces pretty grim. And a hundred tough backwoodsmen were looking straight at him. And a hundred tough backwoodsmen were looking straight at him. Where is your general? I am Francis Marion. You? Uh, I beg your pardon, sir, but I... You come from Charleston about the prisoners? Y- yes, sir. My papers. Here. Lieutenant Fitzhugh, at your... I, I mean, I... Sit down, Lieutenant. Thank you, sir. Well, these papers seem all in order. Oh, excuse me. I see here the suggestion that officers shall be exchanged at the rate of one for every five troopers. This I must refuse. But such terms are quite usual, I believe, sir. I won't question the regularity of the practice. But for my purposes, a trooper is a trooper. And if he's a good enough trooper, he's an officer. We stand very little on ceremony, sir, in my brigade. A man is a man, whether common soldier or major general. Same ration, same dangers, same pay, same death. I must reject any other terms. I shall convey your message to the commanding officer at Charleston, General Marion. His dinner, General, Lieutenant. You don't recognize your meal, Mr. Fitzhugh? Sweet potatoes. The Indians call them yams. Served on a clean piece of bark. At your elbow, water. But surely, General, this is not your usual fare. In a sense, sir, you're right. Because you were our guest, we have broken into our last precious cask of fresh water. In your absence, sir, we would drink swamp water with a little vinegar to make it palatable. Vinegar? Well, you look grave, Lieutenant. Sir, I... I believe I have cause. I see an American general and his officers serving without pay, almost without clothes, living on on roots and, and drinking swamp water, all for a silver device on their leather caps. Liberty or death? Sir... When I'm given safe conduct out of your swamp headquarters, I shall go directly to Charleston to tell my colonel of your terms for the exchange of prisoners. That done, I shall resign my commission and return home. So? After seeing you, sir, and your men and officers, I'm convinced that 
that there is no chance of defeating such men on the field of battle. to the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by DuPont, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. One of the DuPont better things is nylon yarn. Nylon, which in peacetime was made into sheer, long-wearing hosiery, and which today is used exclusively for war purposes, for parachutes, glider tow ropes, airplane tire cords, and filters for blood plasma. Cavalcade play tonight, the first commando starring Alfred Drake and Everett Sloan, is the story of the lean and hungry band of men who wrote a new chapter in military history. It is a chapter which is the inspiration for the commandos and the rangers of today, and it was well taught by General Francis Marion and his volunteers in the Revolutionary War. As our play continues, General Marion, played by Everett Sloan, is at his winter headquarters under an oak in the swamp wilderness of the Carolinas when his friend, Sergeant Flint, played by Alfred Drake, announces a visitor. General Marion, sir. What is it, Flint? Colonel Laurie's here, sir. Got something to tell you. Oh, come in, Peter. General Marion, I bring with me a complainant. May I present Mrs. Croft to Sabbath Creek Plantation? Madam? General Marion, you know best how deeply we are indebted to you for the protection you've given us, but... Well, what is it, madam? The sergeant you detailed to guard our house while my husband is away has been expelled from my plantation by two officers of your brigade, sir. And the same two officers have ransacked my house. The senior of these officers has actually belted my husband's own sword about his waist. Peter, have you inquired about this? Do you know these officers? I know them, sir. Major Stewart and Captain Whitney. Sergeant Flint, take a detail of men with fixed bayonets and notify them that they are summoned to appear before me immediately. Curse the day that they were 
this way comes Colonel Boyle with another enemy regiment. They join forces here. What? That would bring Watson down to Weeble Swamp. Peter, that's your job. What, sir? I want you to retreat. Draw them back down the road as far as Parker's Ferry. Yeah, see? Yes, sir. Once you get them down that road, I promise you, you can leave the rest to me.
really didn't want no fame. He knew his job and did it. He fought in freedom's name. He led a backwoods fighter through swamp and marsh and pen. And trained us all together as the world's best fighting men. The world's best fighting men. The world's best fighting men. And it trained us all together as the world's best Quite a story you told us, Flint, I must admit. Sing pretty good, too. Is that the end of it? Hey, where'd he go? Huh? Did he go? He ain't there now. He was there just a second ago, but he ain't there now. I told you guys he was a ghost. Ah, you're off your talk. If he ain't a ghost, he can sure move without no noise. That's what he was talking about. That's the whole point. We better be getting on for our objective. Hey, see that flashlight? That must be the lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get a move on. Yeah. Hey, remember what that guy said? Yeah. Quiet. Heads down. Sounds like music, don't it? Peter's been here a long time. Tell you a thing or two if he could. Indians, maybe, or are those guys who fought the revolution around here. Let's go! Of them a minute with the special riveting iron. 
and everybody will be saying... DuPont Explosive Rivets made their buy on the production lines barely two years ago. Early last year, a new tool for setting them in the rivet holes was announced. A radio frequency detonator, which fired them by means of radio waves. Now an improved DuPont Explosive Rivet offers aircraft engineers an even quicker, better way to build airplane sections that can be reached from one side only. The improved DuPont rivet will speed up airplane assembly even more. Here's the difference between the old and new rivet. The old rivet carries the expansion charge only in the end of the body, or the shank as it's called. In the new rivet, the charge extends much farther into the shank. In practice, this means riveters on the plane production lines will now have to spend less time drilling holes of needlepoint accuracy because the entire shank of the rivet will expand and fill the rivet hole tightly. In this way, tighter joints can be made more easily, even with the hole slightly oversized. Many engineers believe explosive rivets will be widely used in industry after the war. They may prove to be time and labor savers in the manufacture of refrigerators, radios, washing machines, prefabricated houses. Nobody can foretell just where the list will begin or end. Because they help speed victory, the airplane industry is using many thousands of these new explosive rivets, which are among DuPont's many better things for better living through chemistry. And here is Everett Sloan, a co-star of tonight's cavalcade with a message from our government. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Today, with the need for teaching greater than ever before in our history, thousands of classrooms are vacant because teachers cannot be found. The maintenance of schools is vital to America, for the future of our country depends on the education of our boys and girls in the principles for which our men are fighting overseas. If you are a teacher, you are doing your biggest job when you stay on the job. Next week, the DuPont Cavalcade of America will bring you the great American actor, Walter Houston, in an original play entitled A Mask for Jefferson. An unusual story dramatizing the exciting incidents recalled to Jefferson's mind when an artist was making a life mask of the great patriot's features. Tonight's Cavalcade Orchestra was directed by Donald Gorey. Cavalcade is pleased to remind its audience that Alfred Drake is currently appearing in the musical success Oklahoma and is to be heard on his own radio program, Broadway Matinee, broadcast every weekday afternoon on another network. This is Roland Winters sending best wishes from Cavalcade sponsor, the Dubon Company of Wilmington, Delaware, who invites you to listen during the next hour and a half over most of these stations to three fine programs. The Voice of Firestone with Richard Cook, the Bell Telephone Hour with Lily Pond, and Information, Please, with Florence Eldridge and Frederick March's guests. The Cavalcade of America, sponsored by DuPont, came to you from New York. This is the National Broadcasting Company.